0: Welcome to our online campus of Higher Vision Church. Whether you're watching on YouTube, on our website, on our app, or listening to a podcast, we're glad that you're here. Today, Pastor Jared is kicking off a new series called Undo, where we learn what Christ would undo in our lives. Let's tune into our Valencia campus and watch live. So today we're starting a new series called What Would Jesus Undo? Before we start, I wanna welcome all those that are joining us in campuses, in uh, our online campus. We have people today in Ohio, Alabama, Colorado, um, Arizona, Ecuador, San Francisco, Latvia. Can you welcome all your church family that's joining us around the country and around the world? How cool is that? Really, really excited to have you guys with us today. Now, I like to start with something funny. And as I do, I just wanna say, no judgment in the house of the Lord including the pastor who tells terrible jokes, okay? So I heard this story about uh, a Russian, an American, and a blonde, and uh, they were all talking together. And as they were talking, um, the Russian said, we were the first to go into outer space. He said it proudly. And then the American said, well, we were the first to walk on the moon. And then the blonde said, well, we're gonna be the first to walk on the sun. (laughs) The Russian and the American started laughing. They're like, you can't walk on the sun. The blonde looked at him and said, I know that, I'm not dumb, we're going to go at nighttime. okay, (laughs) just making sure everyone's awake, including the blondes, all right, we're all, you know, my son is a blonde, so hey, it's, uh... I want you to stand to your feet today, as you stand, maybe you've heard of, how many of you ever heard of the bracelets that had WWJD, which stood for, what would Jesus do, how many have ever heard of that? Well, I want to give you a little quick history lesson. In 1898, Pastor Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps, and that book presented the concept, when you face a situation in life, stop and ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? It was then 100 years later that a church read the book, got the idea, and started doing bracelets, what would Jesus do, and in the 90s, the estimation is as high as 52 million bracelets were either sold or distributed around the world. For what would Jesus do? Today, the idea is I want to ask the question what would Jesus undo? Is there something that he needs to unknot, undo in our lives, in the church, in the world? What would Jesus undo? We're going to look at that for two weeks. So, will you close your eyes? <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for your presence, and we ask today that you would speak to us, that you would undo the things, Lord, that have gotten knotted up in our lives, anoint the words that are spoken, anoint our hearts to receive, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, Amen. you may be seated. We're going to use a passage of scripture, and normally we stand reading the word, but I forgot to do it, so we're just going to do it this way. Revelation chapter 3.19, this is a passage where Jesus basically tells us what he would undo. We're going to dive into this passage a little bit more in a minute, but basically he says this, Jesus said to the church, and he was writing a letter to the Laodiceans, there's a church in um, Laodicea, he said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. Isn't it good to know that God loves us? He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your, what's the last word? Indifference. Indifference. I want to give you the big point for the weekend. What would Jesus undo? Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. What I want to do now is I want to go back and show you what he said leading up to the verse we just read. Now, he wrote this letter, and there were seven letters that he wrote to seven different churches. This is in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and so here's what he said to this specific church in Laodicea. chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I know all the things you do. Isn't it interesting to know that Jesus knows what we're doing? Yes. He's paying attention. He knows what you're doing, what you're not doing. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Very graphic language, right? Then he goes on to say in verse 19 to kind of define then what the problem is. The problem, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent to turn from indifference. Spiritual indifference, I think, is something that Jesus would undo. Now let's step back for a minute. If we're gonna understand indifference, let's understand the church in Laodicea. I wanna tell you a little bit about Laodicea. It was a city that was very wealthy, had a lot of money, and um, actually 35 years before this letter had been written to the church in Laodicea, they had been rocked with a massive earthquake that had destroyed a lot of the city. So they had rebuilt, and when they rebuilt, I mean, they went all in. They built stadiums. They built amazing, beautiful bathhouses. They they did all kinds of things. They had uh, theaters, they had shopping malls. It was literally kind of like a modern day Dubai or Las Vegas, (coughs) excuse me. So they had rebuilt this massive city. They were very wealthy. And then Jesus tells them, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're like lukewarm water. And because you're lukewarm, I'd spit you out of my mouth. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Laodicea, because Laodicea, when they rebuilt it, here's one of the problems they had. They didn't have the ability to have their own water. So they would pipe water in through these elaborate aqueduct systems from two different cities. One was the city of Colossae, and the other was the city of Hierapolis. Now, I think Hierapolis is where Superman was born. I don't know. It just sounds like a city where superheroes come from. But Hierapolis was a place where they had hot springs. So they would ship hot water towards Laodicea. Colossae was in the mountains and it had cold spring water. And so they would ship the cold water. But here's the problem. By the time the water got from these two cities to Laodicea, it was dirty, it was tepid, it was lukewarm. So when Jesus is speaking about this idea or this imagery to them, they totally understood because they knew the challenges they had, that the water that they got was dirty and the water was lukewarm. And the idea here is that Jesus is saying, listen, here's the problem spiritually with the church in Laodicea. You are lukewarm, you're stale, you're detached, you're indifferent. And here's what he goes on to say. Now, this is kind of rough, but let's, let's hear what he said. And your indifference doesn't break my heart, it makes me sick. Because the idea of spit you out of my mouth, the language there means to vomit, the turning of the stomach. That's this question, how many of you like milkshakes? I mean, if you haven't been, there's a place down on New Hall (laughs) Ranch Road, or not New Hall, it's actually Pico or Lyons, Brick's Burgers. Anybody had a peanut butter shake from Brick's Burgers? It is literally what they're going to serve in heaven when we get there one day. And when you eat it, it's all protein, no fat. Your muscles will get bigger every time you eat one and drink one. One time, my family stopped at McDonald's to get some shakes, and we were driving, and I don't know why we stopped at McDonald's, but we did, and as we kept driving, we'd been driving a long time, and I'd forgotten how long it had been, and I saw one of the shakes. I didn't get one, but I was one in a shake, and I reached over to grab this chocolate shake, and I Pulled it up to my mouth and took a big swig, but what I'd forgotten is it was two hours old, sitting in the sun. And if you've ever had a chocolate shake from McDonald's, if it sits too long, I don't know how this happens, but chemically it goes from shake to phlegm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's disgusting. And so I took a big swig of this chocolate phlegm, and as soon as I did, it was like my stomach turned. I was going to have to roll the window down and spew because it literally made me sick. That is the language that Jesus gives. When Christian people become spiritually indifferent, it turns my stomach, Jesus said. So... Let's ask the question, what causes indifference? If there are Christians who become indifferent, what causes it? And I'm gonna give you two causes of indifference today. You all with me, say amen. amen. All right, so here's the first cause, and we're gonna see it in the, in the city of Laodicea and the Christians there. The first cause of indifference is self-sufficiency. Everybody say that with me, self-sufficiency. You say, where do we get that, Pastor Jared? Well, let's go back to our main passage in Revelation revelation it says you're not hot you're not cold you become lukewarm you become indifferent it makes me want to spit you out of my mouth and he says so here's why you say i'm rich i have everything i want i don't need a thing but you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked What's intriguing about this language that Jesus gives to the church of Laodicea is he says, listen, you guys are rich and your, your wealth and the fact that you don't need anything has made you indifferent and you don't even see it. In fact, you're blind and you're naked and you're poor rather than rich and clothed and, and all of that. And what's what's really interesting about Laodicea is when they had their earthquake and it destroyed everything, all of the cities, this can be historically um, shown in documents and in in writings, they literally had all of the cities around them offer to send relief to help rebuild. And you know what Laodicea said? They said, nope, we don't need your money. We'll We'll rebuild ourselves. So now you have a city and their spirit is, I don't need anybody else. I can do it on my own. And the idea here is that there's this attitude in our culture, because I believe that Laodicea is a lot like Santa Clarita Valley. It's a lot like L.A. You know, it's kind of like you ask someone, how are you? And they're like, I'm good. If it's a millennial, they are like, I'm right. I'm aight. That's for some of you don't know, that's all right. I'm aight I'm right. Just translating for you if you don't know i might. I got everything I need, i got my venti coffee, i got my upgraded iPhone 10, I've got everything I need, i got my ESPN app, I've got my Snuggie, I've got my Netflix, I've got everything I need, economy's good, I'm making money, uh, we got our new car, we just moved into the neighborhood that we've wanted to be forever, and what happens is before long, we develop this self-sufficiency where we don't need God anymore. And we don't need other believers anymore. We've got everything we need. And we're just like the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says, listen, if you let self-sufficiency begin to develop in your heart, the next thing you'll know is you're indifferent. And when you're indifferent, you're lukewarm. What would Jesus undo? He would undo indifference. You know, the other thing that he would, he would undo, or, or, or another cause, let me say it this way, another cause of Indifference is not just self-sufficiency, it's this, write this down, it's the distractions of this world. Now, in this particular passage, he doesn't use that specific idea, but I believe it's under it's, it's underlying in the, the passage that we read, but Jesus actually specifically talks about it in the book of Mark. And he's talking about how that people will be in a situation and the word will be preached, and... Now, some of them, the, the seed will fall on, the word will fall on hard ground, and the birds come and steal it. Some, it fall, falls on thorny ground, or on a rocky ground. That's the one we're gonna talk about. And the seed grows, it lands, and it starts to grow quickly. But then here's what he goes on to say. But all too quickly, the message is, what's the next two words? Crowded, Crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. In other words, not only is self-sufficiency something that causes indifference, but the distractions of this world. In other words, here's what you say. You say, I'm stirred, I'm touched, God's spoken to my heart. Something's happening, but then life happens. Come on, anybody have life happen? The kids get sick, the car breaks down, right? There are bills to pay, there are selfies to take. There's all kinds of stuff that has to happen. And before you know it, we have crowded out Jesus because the distractions of life. And here's where we are. We end up with a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to make us feel better. But not so much that he really changes our life. Maybe self-sufficiency. Maybe the distractions of this world. And what I find intriguing about this passage is that he points something out. This is just cool how I love it when God layers his truth with the context of of the times. Because he looks at them and he says, you think you're rich, but you're really poor. And he says, and you think you're clothed, but you're naked. And you think you can see, but you're blind. Here's what you need to know about Laodicea. Laodicea was known for three things. Number one, it was a wealthy town and it was known for its banking system. In fact, there are stories that kings who had great wealth would come to Laodicea and exchange in their banking system. So they were wealthy. Not only that, they were also known for their clothing manufacturing. Their sheep out in the fields around Laodicea were known to have this violet, black, soft wool. And so they created all of these garments and they were traded and sold all over the world. Laodicea sat on a, on a road that connected a lot of the, 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 the world and so the trade was great in that area. So they were known for their banking system and their wealth. They were known for the clothing that they produced and they were known for their medical advancements. What they were specifically known for was an eye ointment that healed the eye that was sold all over the world. And Jesus says, here's the deal, you think you're okay, but what you don't realize is you think you're rich, but you're poor. You might have the best banks in the world, but you're spiritually poor. You may produce the best clothing there is, but there's a nakedness about you, there's an exposure that you don't realize. You think you can see and you know and you're wise, and, but what you don't realize is that even though you have the best ointment for eyes in the world, you're blind. You don't even see it. And I'm going to tell you, I think there's a lot of Christians maybe right here in the Santa Clarita Valley that think they're rich, they're clothed, They can see, but what we don't realize is indifference has worked its way into our life. We don't need God. We don't need anything. And now we're blind, we're naked, and we're poor. Some of you are like, man, this is such an encouraging message, Pastor Jared. Thank you for sharing it with us. I feel better already. So let me ask the question, how can we know if spiritual indifference or lukewarmness has worked its way into our life. Can I give you some reasons? Come on, how many give me, give me that right now? Okay, you ready? Here's some reasons. Number one, this, this will tell you. We'll know when we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. Maybe indifference is in your life because you're more concerned with impressing people than with living for God. You know, if we're not careful, we kind of have that mentality. And here's our thoughts that are going on in our head. We're, well, am I popular? Do I blend in? Is my hairstyle cool? Do I have kind of cool clothes that fit in? And we start to have this mentality, right? Well, like, do people like me? Do I get along? And we want to be liked by everybody. We want to make sure that, that we're you know, impressing other people. But you know, here's the reality. We live in a culture that has become so politically correct. People don't wanna offend anyone. Anyone They wanna be liked by everybody. And it's worked its way into the church. We're afraid to tell blonde jokes. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in <laughs> What are people gonna think? In the church today, we're afraid to say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven because we gotta respect every other religion. We don't wanna offend anyone, and here's what it turns into. I care more about what people think than I care about what God thinks. Can I tell you something Jesus said that's gonna shock you? Because we all, when we think of Jesus, well, turn the other cheek. Love your neighbor. You know what he also said? Woe to you, if everyone speaks well of you. Does he not want us to be nice people? No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, have you begun to live your life where you're more concerned about what people think than what God thinks? Come on, that's better preaching than your amen. Come on, somebody say amen. I gotta be honest with you. um, I... uh, I was a little nervous when I made the decision to bring in a giraffe and a zebra on Easter. For two reasons. One, I, was, I knew I was putting a target on my back. me so like, really, Pastor, what are we talking about? Well, I'll be honest with you. Two things. Number one, I knew that there were people in our city that would literally use that as an opportunity to talk about how unspiritual we are, and it happened. As soon as we started promoting it and letting people know, we had another pastor jump on our Facebook and talk about this circus church where they've cheapened grace and went down. I knew I'd put a target on my back. And not only that, I knew that I would have a target on my back from people in our church who didn't know our heart. And they were saying, what kind of church is this? Easter's about Jesus, not about a giraffe. How many you know that Easter's about Jesus? But you know what I love is I had someone come to me and recently and they said, Pastor Jared, I just wanna thank you for the courage to bring a giraffe to Higher Vision on Easter. And they said, let me tell you why. And they went on to tell this story about how that someone in their life for years would not go to church, for years it turned their back on church. Because of another religious persuasion and things, they wouldn't even step on a campus of a Christian church. And they would invite them year after year after year But finally this year, they have little kids and they went to him and said, hey, listen, would you guys come to Easter with us? We have a giraffe and a zebra and your kids could take pictures with the giraffe and the zebra. And to their shock, they go, okay, we'll come. And they thought they were just gonna show up and see the giraffe and go home. But when they got here, they checked their kids in. They came to service. Wait, and when I gave the altar call, they raised their hand and accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. You see, one day I'm gonna stand before the Lord and he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant, but he won't say that if I'm more concerned about impressing people than I am impressing him. We're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. Can I give you another one? Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. We're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We're obsessed with life on earth rather than Eternity, I gotta tell you, it's easy to get obsessed with this world. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's happened to me just this week. We're right in the middle of remodeling a kitchen. And instead of being excited to do my devotions, this year that's one of my goals, every morning the first thing I do my devotions, the next thing I know is I'm waking up and instead of thinking about my devotions or thinking about what's going on in the week for the church, I'm thinking about what contractor's coming, what do we need to buy, what color is it supposed to be, what time are they doing this, how much of this, what color are we gonna have, what kind of backsplash are we gonna have? And suddenly my mind is all focused on things of this world. But ultimately, how many know my kitchen's not gonna be in heaven? You know another thing I got tempted with getting distracted by? The masters. Do we have any golf fans in here? I mean I wanted to know how was Tiger Woods doing? How was Jordan Spieth doing? When did they tee off? What were their shots like? Did they have, did they lose, did they go back any strokes? Did they gain any strokes? And I'm like worried about okay, oh no, Rory is in the top two. I don't want him to win. I want an American to win. I mean I'm like going through all of this. And what happens is we become like the man who came to Jesus and he said, hey Jesus, I want to follow you. He said, okay, what do you, if you want to go to heaven and you want to be my disciple, what did the, the scriptures say? And he goes, well the scriptures say to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. He says, good, do that. And then he said, oh and by the way, one more thing. Sell, he was very rich, this man was very rich. He said, sell what you have and give it to the poor. And the man dropped his head and he walked away because that was the thing that became more important in this world rather than eternity are there things that have become a distraction and now you're obsessed with things on this world instead in the one to come come on are you with me say amen. amen maybe that's something that's a signal that indifference has worked its way in your life can I give you another one we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing god come on everybody say amen some of you are like, Pastor Jared, are, why, why are you preaching this after Easter? We've got all kinds of people coming back that are new to church. Well, you know what? I feel like that this mass message is so important, and here's what we do. We rationalize our sin, because here's what we say. We start to say, well, it's not that bad. You know, lots of other people are doing it. More people are doing it. And you know what? What I'm doing isn't really hurting anyone. And then we start renaming our sin so that we feel better about it. Well, you know what? Everybody gossips, but I'm not really gossiping. I'm just calling a friend to share a prayer request. You know, so-and-so really needs your prayer right now. Because let me tell you what's going on in their life. So we give it a new name. I don't watch porn. It's adult entertainment. And we give it another name. And we begin to rationalize our sin you know it's interesting I had someone come to me the other day and they said pastor Jared um, our kids started coming to higher vision and it was interesting because after the service we went out to lunch and they go wow that was really an interesting message and he goes really why is that he goes well the, your pastor here at higher vision your pastor preached on sin and I haven't heard a message on sin in years Because you know, in the world, if we're not careful, we can start rationalizing our sin. I don't know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, oh, Lord, let us not become indifferent where we rationalize our sin, but we name it and we repent of it and we see victory over it. Come on, somebody say amen to that. How about this one? Here's another indicator that maybe that you've allowed indifference in your life. We believe in God but rarely share our faith. We believe in God, but we rarely share our faith. I'm so thankful for this church, that this church is a church that shares their faith. I'm so thankful that last week we had thousands of people on this campus. We had hundreds of people get saved. You took your cards. Why do you think we give you these little cards for Church at the Movies? Because we're putting a tool in your hand so that you can share your faith, so you can talk to somebody about Jesus, so that you can bring them to a service where they can hear the truth and the truth can set them free. I'll never forget, I had a friend of mine, and one day we started to talk, and I, I said, hey, where are you at in your relationship with God? Where are you at in your relationship with Christ? And I was a little nervous about it, because I was afraid, well, maybe they're gonna, you know, get mad at me, or shut down the relationship a little bit, but I just went for it, and I was talking to him, and I was sharing it, and I loved the response at the end, because it was so different than, than what I thought it would be. They looked back at me the and they said, basically, thank you for, for asking I'm like, really, why is that? And they said, because if you really believe what you say you believe, heaven and hell, if you didn't share, then I would question if you even really care about me. Because if you really care about me, you're gonna share. Spiritual indifference will get us to believe in God but never share our faith. Because if you're indifferent to your neighbor, if you're indifferent to your coworker, knowing that they may s- spend eternity separated from God, how many know indifference has worked its way into your heart? Come on, just all still with me. Say amen. Here's another one. We only turn to God when we need him. I got to tell you, over the years as a pastor, I see it. People struggle, they're going through a divorce or they lost their job or something's happened with a child or they face a sickness and the next thing you know, they're in church. Now let me say, if you're in church because something's going on, then awesome. I'm glad you're here. But then, once the trial's over, once they've got their job, once the marriage is restored, once their kids are better, months go by and you don't see them. Years go by and you don't see them because we sometimes only turn to God when we need Him. I'm gonna give you the last one, the last one is this. We are not much different than the world. We're not much different than the world. We divorce just as much as the world does. We talk like our unsaved friends, as my mom would say who have a potty mouth, and nobody could hear the difference. You see, we're supposed to be a light in the darkness. We're to be salt in an unsalted world, a city set on a hill, and the church has lost its edge. It's lost its anointing. it's lost its power because we have become like the world. The Bible says to be in the world, but not of it. We're to have a voice, we're to be a light, we're to be salt, and the Bible says this, once you become unsalty, how can it be salty again? How does it become unsalty? How do we lose our light? Because of spiritual indifference. Come on, somebody say amen. So what do we do if we recognize, maybe today, you're recognizing, wow, pastor, maybe there's some lukewarmness going on in my life. What do I do? Jesus answers that question in this passage. Can I tell you how to do it? Write this down. What would Jesus undo? He'd undo spiritual indifference. And what would he say to do? Get spiritually uncomfortable. Get spiritually uncomfortable. What do you mean? Well, let's go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter three, he tells him, don't be lukewarm. I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. The reason you're lukewarm is because you you think you're rich, you become indifferent, and he goes through all of that, right? So he says, here's what you need to do. I advise you then to buy gold from me, Gold that has been purified by what? Fire. By fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy white garments for me so you'll be not shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. Isn't it cool right there? You see the garments and the oil for the eyes and the, right, all of that? And As I began to meditate on that, I was like, God, what are you saying there? What is it that we need to know? How can we Get through this lukewarmness. How can we not be indifferent? Here's basically what it's saying Get uncomfortable. Yeah. By the fire and what is the fire? Well, he talks about the gold and the fire. And if you look at the, the book of Peter, first Peter, it relates the fire to your faith. He says this in First Peter, he says, Your trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So the imagery that he's giving is simply this, is that if gold is put in the fire, if it gets uncomfortable, if you turn up the heat, what happens? The impurities rise to the top, and those are skimmed away, and now it becomes more precious in its, in its value. And what Jesus is saying to us is, listen, listen, when you go through a trial, when something's happening, listen, activate your faith, because through activating your faith, what's gonna happen is you're gonna face things, things are gonna take place, but as you do that, I'm gonna strengthen you, I'm gonna purify you, I'm gonna make you warm, I'm gonna make you hot again. Things are gonna change when you get uncomfortable. My, my wife has necklaces. And um, these necklaces are interesting because they're not like the old school necklace. You know, like a thing of pearls. They're like a necklace with like five necklaces inside them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They've got bars and strings and everything goes everywhere and they're necklaces, right? So what happens though is that when you put them, you know, the drawer, you pull them out. The devil has gotten in that drawer (laughs) while it was closed. Because when you pull it out, it's like a big wad, a nest of chain and gold and silver and... And so what does what does Dibet do? She doesn't say Jared. She says, no, I don't have the patience for that. But she'll say, Hudson. Because my younger son, he has an anointing <laughs> to unknot necklaces. And she'll give it to him, and literally in like two minutes, he's like, whoa, pick the fence. Here you go, Mom he's able to unknot what God all knotted up. And what I love is that Jesus is saying there's a way to get unknotted, to undo what life, what indifference, what self-sufficiency, what the cares and distractions of the world have got you all caught up in. And you say, well, what is it? I'm gonna give it to you, but let me tell you, it may not be what you think. One thing I could say is, you need to pray more. Okay, I need to pray more, but that's not what it's going to be. It's not going to be, well, I need to read my Bible more. You should read your Bible. Read it more. Can I tell you what it is? Write this down. Real simple. In fact, if you do this, you'll get unknotted. Do something every day that requires faith. Do something every day that requires faith. Maybe it's stand up for someone or something, even though you know you might be mocked for it. Maybe it's give when things are tight. You're going to stretch your faith. Maybe it's apologize to someone and forgive, even when you don't feel like it. Maybe it's volunteer to pray out loud at your circle. I'm going to tell you every day, activate your faith. And through activating your faith, what's going to happen? Man, fire of God's gonna start boiling and turning. Things are gonna come up, cleared away. You're gonna go from lukewarm to on fire. You're gonna see a change. Because here's what the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the reverse is true, that when we activate our faith, we please God. So this week, every day, do something that activates your faith and watch you turn from lukewarmness to someone who is on fire and passionate and making a difference for God. So I want to say one last part of this passage. I'm going to read it to you. It will bring us to a close. Jesus ends this passage by saying this. Look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Maybe you're here and you're distant from Jesus. You're a Christian, but there's no relationship. There's no fire. There's no passion in there. Here's the good news. Jesus is knocking today. He's not far away. He's not off up in the galaxy. He's right at your door. He's knocking. Why would I bring this topic up the the weekend right after Easter? Easter? I mean, that's the weekend you preach on family or you do something real creative for all the new people that are coming back. No, because here's what I began to think about. I began to think, what would happen if a church family, if just one church in this whole valley, you see, let me explain it this way. What what if one church turned up the heat? You know, water, it can go as warm as 211 degrees and at 211 degrees, it's just warm water. But if you just change one degree from 211 degrees to 212 degrees, it starts to boil. And that one small degree of change turns water that does nothing into water that will disinfect, that will kill bacteria, It even produces steam. It's literally a physical representation of a spiritual principle that if you and I can go from lukewarmness to allowing the heat, the passion of God, just one degree. What would happen if a a whole church of people just had one degree of change in a city that has become self sufficient? everything could change.